0: I think I was supposed to be doing something today. Where are you, Bruce? Spending time with my favorite beverage.
1: I feel like he's forgotten. Is he here? Yeah, I think he's here. There you are. Hey, Tim. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. Did you get my messages? No. What messages? Podcast. We're starting the podcast in like a minute. Nah. Yeah? What are you doing?
0: I'm shooting coffee, man.
1: Oh, is that the Peaberry? Yeah. Oh, fresh roast. Are we gonna uh, sell them on oht.rocks? Yeah, we are.
2: Sweet.
0: Cheers. Cheers. Mm.
1: Forget Mick. <laughs> Peaberry. Get it on OHT.Rocks. Peaberry. Support best. the cause. <laughs> All right, let's start the podcast. Okay. I'll see you in 10 seconds after we roll the animation.
0: Okay, maybe.
1: Theme <laughs> music, please.
2: Aloha, everybody. Welcome to On Hawaiian Time. I'm Mick Calber.
0: I'm Bruce Omari.
2: And you are
0: On, on Hawaiian, Hawaiian Time.
2: Time. Okay, well, welcome to the show. (laughs) Annie and I are out on our Lanai and Leilani estates, and Bruce and Tim are down in Hilo. Tell us where you are, guys.
0: We're at the Extreme Exposure Fine Art Gallery in downtown Hilo.
3: So what are we doing today, Annie? We've uh, just launched into our second season of On Hawaiian Time.
2: And what's everybody been doing while we were away?
3: Waiting for the second season for (laughs) On Hawaiian Time. Of course, that's what I was
2: doing. I couldn't wait. How about Bruce?
0: Been binging on Netflix, beer, wine. (laughs) (laughs) Bacalolo. No.
3: Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Hope you have a, yeah,
1: <laughs> I hope you have a card for that. A prescription <laughs> card. <laughs> what have you been up to, Mick? So I've been working on my dock a little bit.
2: Um, Tim cut me some scratch tracks the other day, so I have a bit of a guide as I'm going through assembling this thing. It's still very overwhelming, but um, I'm getting there slowly but surely. Slowly but slowly is more like it. Uh, working a lot in the yard. Um working on my relationship with my beautiful wife, uh, my trophy wife, as many of you know, and
1: uh, taking care of our dogs. And Timmy's got our show all done now, right? Well, we're about halfway through the final episode of the docuseries, Kilauea into the eruption, look at the 2018 eruption through the lens of Mick and Bruce. So I'm pretty excited about it. I think it looks really great right now. We all have to get together and and look at it and give our two cents and and, you know, sort of... Sharpen the focus a little bit on it, but I'm pretty excited to get this thing wrapped up. It's awesome. there. Maybe get a, a buyer. That's the, that's the main goal. Yeah. Right on. Somebody will be interested. Maybe Nickelodeon.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Kids Cartoon Channel. What about you, Ann? <laughs> what, what are you up to?
3: Well, all the things I thought I could do in a month, I'm still working on after seven months in uh, <laughs> uh, quarantine, but... Uh, Getting paperwork done, uh, reorganized. We're going to have a killer garage sale in about a month. So uh, definitely Uh let you know about that one. Great. But doing that, hopefully get that done and get back to my artwork. So I've really been missing doing some dyeing and getting into some new art projects. So
2: Yeah, but you've been making jam.
3: Yeah, that's been my new art jam. I went from Jabotacabba Jam. Now the guavas are... it's guava season, so getting the vi and the guavas. And I, I should have a bumper sticker on my car that says, I break for guavas. So I'm, I'm known to be found on the side of the road picking guavas in somebody's yard. I think I'm channeling is that my fr- mother.
1: Is, is that frowned upon?
3: I'm not in Hawaii. Not in Hawaii. <laughs> you always go back and give them a jar of jam. Whatever you, wherever you tip the guavas from, you always go back and, and uh, give them a jar of jam. So.
1: So who's our guest today? It's uh, me. I
3: can't wait. It's b- <laughs> the wonderful Mr. Bruce O'Mori. Bruce
2: O'Mori. Yeah. O'Mori. Oh. Oh. O'Mori. Oh. Oh, oh. Oh, 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 oh no. Oh, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so we tried I forgot who was producing this episode. I wasn't sure if this was the Mick Show or the Bruce show. No, nah, it's
2: the Bruce show. <laughs> <laughs> we'll still talk so, to yeah, Mick so, later.
1: In season two, we're trying something a little different, obviously. We're going to be interviewing not only guests from around the Big Island in Hawaii, but we're going to interview Bruce, Mick, Anne, and I think someone's going to, Tim. unfortunately, interview me. Yes. That's going are. to be the lowest ratings ever. <laughs> oh, no. Um, Highlight of the show. So we're going to do, we're going to do this. Um, we're going to kind of break up these interviews into three parts. The backstory, um, the guest's passion, and then we'll kind of reflect on you know how did you get from A to B? So, Bruce... This episode, you're in the hot seat. Are you ready? Uh-oh.
2: Dun, 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 <laughs> dun,
0: dun. I, I don't know. I don't like being in the hot seat.
1: It doesn't matter if you're ready or not. Just <laughs> you're on. You're in the hot seat. Remember, remember Nike, Bruce. Just do it. Just do it. So I, I, I always think um, you and Mick, I've been attracted to your story from the moment I met you guys because I think what you guys do is unique. And talking about what you do, still photography on the Big Island, mainly focusing on the volcano and lava. Uh huh. But let's backtrack because I know you're from Hilo originally.
0: Born and raised in Hilo. Yeah.
1: yeah. So tell me a little bit about your, your background. What was it like for you growing up? Tell me a little bit about your family and, and life as a child here on the Big Island.
0: Uh, life on the Big Island was great. You know, um, things were... Uh, Slow paced. Uh, you know, Hilo was kind of, or I lived out in Pipekeo and, you know, it was kind of a rural sugar plantation town. And, um, you know, it was, it was great. Life was great, man. My great grandparents came over from Japan to work in the sugar fields, and uh, so did my grandparents. And uh, my, my parents, uh, my mom was a nurse and my dad was a uh, heavy
3: equipment
0: um, salesperson. So he, he actually sold a lot of things to the plantations. And um, so life on the Hamakua Coast was, you know, based around the sugar mills. And uh, we live just up the road from one in Pippa Kill. And uh, sugar fields were our playground. Mm. Yeah. And um, yeah, so fast forward a little bit. Um, hold on,
1: hold on. Brothers, sisters? Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I've got two sisters. So I'm the, I'm the middle child. <laughs> <laughs> so that explains a lot, right? <laughs> uh-huh. No, no. no. Uh, my, my sisters are great. Uh, I've got a an older sister who lives in Kona. Her name is Claire. And a younger sister that lives in Denver. Her name is Cherie. Um, yeah. Love them. We had a um, great childhood growing up together. And uh, yeah, when I was about nine or ten, I think um, my grandfather gave me a... Camera and that started me with uh, my shooting.
1: So, your parents wanted you and encouraged you to be a photographer from since you were little.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, you know, I'd run around the yard shooting photos of flowers and our dogs and birds and trees and whatever. And uh, so, I'd have these rolls of film just lying around the house, and my mom would pick them up and think that oh you know there's some good photos in here and she'd go develop them and she'd come home angry because there were <laughs> there were of things i shouldn't want to see you know uh, just boring flowers <laughs> birds but um yeah that that camera really gave me uh a creative outlet i think more than anything else um yeah i just love the way uh film captured a sliver of time. You know, it froze time. And uh, to me, as a kid, it was kind of like magic. And that captivated my interest and I couldn't get enough of it, you know. What was your
2: first camera, Bruce?
0: A Kodak Instamatic.
2: Nice. <laughs> Could you put a cube on the top to make it flash? Oh, Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> have you always had a huge instagram following even when you were a kid
3: (laughs) (laughs) they were just waiting
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh man so funny you know the habit of uh shooting film and leaving it lying around the house uh it followed me up to oahu and um i i Used to go, when when our uh, eldest child was born, Justin was born in uh, 93, or 92, sorry. <laughs> uh, I would take him to the zoo and, um, you know, had a camera, so we'd spend all afternoon there. And Cheryl was a letter carrier with the post office, so I'd be spending time with Justin And I come home with these rolls of film, and Cheryl would think that she's uh, got all these great shots of our kid. (laughs) I would have one or two frames of Justin, and all the rest were of the animals at the zoo. (laughs) But, you know, I was shooting the animals for Justin.
1: (laughs) Sounds like Cheryl and your mom can kind of relate to each other a little bit. They could... I think they had a lot of stories
0: to talk about, you know, things in common.
1: (laughs) So, at what point did you leave the Big Island?
0: Uh, After I graduated from UH Hilo, I went to Oahu to work at an engineering firm. And um, I worked my way up the ladder, started out as a draftsperson, and... uh, Eventually became a mechanical designer and then became a partner in the firm. And I uh, was at the firm for almost 25 years. Our specialty was designing power plants.
3: Hmm.
1: Yeah. Did you meet Cheryl on Oahu? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Met her. Your a-
1: wife. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Forgot. Left that out.
0: Yeah. Met her on Oahu. Um, went to church with a friend and uh, saw this pretty girl and <laughs> yeah
1: so how do you pick up a girl at church <laughs> <laughs>
0: well you blessed her first well I didn't look at it that way too oh sorry <laughs> sorry <laughs> it
1: just no. it just happened to be where you met her Yeah, yeah.
0: We we became friends first, and yeah, things got more serious later.
1: Yeah, gotcha. So I met you in 2017 when Mick introduced you to me. Yeah. Um, So at some point you must have come back to Hilo, obviously, because you live here now.
0: Yeah. Um, So my career at the engineering firm, uh, you know, I was a workaholic. We work really long hours um i think i averaged averaged about 70 to 80 hours a week yeah and that was killer yeah, i mean there were times when i was working over 100 hours a week And know it's hard to believe I'm trying but,
1: to do the math how many yeah. hours in a week
0: i mean, yeah we do all-nighters and everything on a on a regular basis and uh yeah, it was killer. I, I didn't realize the kind of damage that did to, you know, my marriage, my relationship with Cheryl, and later on the, my relationship with my kids. But um, that really took a toll on relationships, friendships, and eventually my health. Uh, you know, toward the end, um, my well, in two nineteen the late 90s my my dad passed away and uh my mom was diagnosed with alzheimer's so i began flying back uh, once a month to help take care of my mom and then once a month became twice a month and my trips to Hilo became more frequent sharing duties uh helping out my mom with my sister from kona and um So Cheryl and I made the decision to move back to Hilo, and I kept my job at the engineering firm, but I would commute every day, but that kind of meant that I was working
1: just eight hours a day. (laughs) Commuting from, from from Hilo to Honolulu.
0: Yeah, and... Uh, My my partners didn't really enjoy that. There's no bridge
1: from Hilo to Honolulu. No, (laughs) I was flying back and forth. Commuting in a plane every day.
0: Yeah. It was kind of fun, actually. Got to meet a whole different uh, set of friends, you know, commuters. And uh, anyway, um, yeah, so my partners at at the firm... uh, they wanted me to put in more time. So I went from working 70 or 80 hours a week down to 40. And, uh, so talk to Cheryl about it and decided, uh, you know, stay over one night a week, just work through the night, fly back home on Friday, you know, and put in that extra time, but that wasn't enough for them. So one night a week became two nights, two nights became three nights. And that was just too much. Um, you know, all those long hours of hardly any sleep while I was on Oahu um, took a toll on my health and I started uh, having chest pains. I thought I was gonna die of a cardiac issue, but the doc ran all kinds of tests and those all came back negative. And he sat me down one day and said that it was stress causing the the issue. And um, if I didn't make a change, that uh, the stress would probably end up killing me. So, yeah, after thinking about it for a long time, you know, I was there by myself on Oahu, um, you know, when I got that lecture from my doc and um, took a day off, just went driving around the island and started thinking about Um, All the negative things that that job (laughs) brought about. You know, I I made a comfortable living, you know, financially. uh, But everything else suffered. So, yeah, just decided to leave the firm and um, come back to Hilo full time.
1: I think that's like, um, I mean you've been told essentially by your doctor that you need to stop Mm -hmm. or you're going to do some serious damage to your health, maybe even, you know, could cause, cause your death. But for somebody who's put in that, those blood, sweat, and tears for what would you say? 25 years,
0: 24,
1: 24 years. I mean that, that becomes your identity. And it's it's hard to let that go, right?
0: Yeah, it sure does. You know that my career, my position at the firm was my identity, and for a long time, I mean, I that was the hardest decision I ever made. And um, you know, Cheryl, Cheryl, because of my long hours, she wanted me to leave long before that, and she could see it, and. Um, Yeah, but in retrospect, you know, and looking back and realizing how it had um, really put a strain upon uh, my marriage and my relationship with my kids. I remember one one day coming home from work um, and uh, greeting Rachel, you know, she was uh, a toddler and uh, I opened the door and walked into the house and She said, Papa, go back to work, you know.
1: (laughs) You had mentioned to me once in the past about uh, a moment when you were talking about things in your house. And Mick and Ann earlier spoke about a, a garage sale. And I remember you saying something about cleaning up, tidying up. It's the Marie Kondo thing, right? Everybody's minimizing. And you were talking about things that you could get rid of and things you couldn't get rid of. And you were telling me about a, a banner, I think, that Cheryl and your kids made for you when you came home from Honolulu. What was the story behind that?
0: You trying to make me cry? <laughs>
1: No, it just it just triggered it just triggered that memory. It, no, I just, you know, I just I'm just trying to think about that point in your life. Um, uh-huh. What uh-huh. what was the significance of that banner?
0: It was uh, they painted a banner that said "Welcome Home, Papa." Mm. You know, and um, they the kids drew uh, our dogs and you know, of course, Cheryl and themselves and yeah it was really touching and um yeah i I missed that
1: sorry, I didn't mean to evoke that type of emotion that uh, but no i mean so obviously you made the right decision
0: yeah, i did, and you know funny part is um and I know they're not going to be listening to this, so I can talk bad <laughs> about them, But <laughs> You know, the, the president of the firm was kind of like, I considered him my best friend. I had spent so much time with him working. We spent more time in the office with each other than we did w- with our spouses. And uh, the day I went into his office to tell him that what the doc had told me, and I was, you know, at that time, I wasn't real sure if I was gonna leave for certain or not. You know, I kind of went in there thinking that he would kind of try and encourage to uh, to help me work it out in, in some manner. But I said, you know, I, I, I think I may have to leave the firm, you know, because it's beginning to affect my health. And that was the last time he ever spoke to me. Mm.
3: Yeah.
0: I told him, you know, I would stay as long as I needed to help, um, you know, the transition because I managed our design department. I helped manage some of um, uh, the HR in the firm. I also helped um, manage the in our investment portfolio. And I, I did... Um, Hiring and firing, I did, I uh, um, I, I was a network administrator, so all hardware and software was my responsibility. Also did collections on aged accounts. And he just basically told me, you know, well, in two weeks, you're out. And that was it. He never spoke to me again till this very day, you know, here, this guy went from being my my best friend to I mean, he could just turn it off like that, you know. So then it became obvious that the most important thing to him was uh, the bottom line, and that broke my heart. You know, like I said, my my job was my identity, and uh, coming to that point where. Um. I really needed to leave the company. Um, it, you know, I, I really didn't wanna. And uh, but, I think talking to to the guy kind of made it clear that that was the right decision. And uh, yeah, so after that conversation, I wish I had done it sooner. You know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> a scary thing for. People who have a job that, you know, is a steady paycheck and, and is comfortable job security. It's, it's a scary thing to, to leave that, that security. Yeah. And did you have any idea what was going to replace that in terms of an, a job?
0: Nope. No clue, man. Um, and that was scary to me because since I was a kid, I, I always had a job. Always worked. You know, I used to deliver papers. And after that, I had a part-time job and worked myself through college and, you know, worked at the engineering firm after that. So I was always employed. Never, never had to worry about work. Um, but yeah, so leaving the firm was really scary but I had to um, uh, place a priority upon my family life and that was the you know motivation that uh, that made me make that leap and you know of course I really had a health issue because I was having these severe chest pains and um, so after I left when i came back to the big island uh to stay full time um, you know by then I had, I had gotten back into photography and had been uh doing a lot of like surf photography for um some magazines and stuff and um, I, I just decided i, I needed to just uh, chill out, you know, and decompress. And I told Cheryl, you know, I'm not gonna look for a job right away. I'm just gonna take some time off and try and heal. And photography, photography was my therapy, and it it uh, made me well again. You know, within I think three months of leaving the firm, um, the chest pains went away and started feeling good again. How's it, guys? Just in case you guys were wondering what kind of gear I use, just thought I'd give you a peek into what's in my bag. I shoot with the Canon 1 Series bodies, and um, I love them because the bodies are beefy, and uh, you know, they're durable, they can withstand, well, Canon says they can withstand up to 10 inches of rain per hour. So, you know, that's basically Kind of rain we get here in hilo all the time so anyway it's uh it's weatherproof and it's got a um, very high shutter rate and we're frame rate and um, it's great for photojournalism and sports and everything else and i do my fine art photography with this too uh, this body is the uh, 1d mark II, 1d x mark II. And I've got the 1D, um, 1DX, the first original series. Check out the show notes. We'll share all the links where you can buy some of these products that we use. And um, yeah, to helps support our podcast. Yeah, so when I left the firm, like I mentioned Photography was therapy and I was able to spend time, you know, good quality, alone time, making peace with yourself um, or making peace with myself and the decision that I had made and everything else that came along with it. Um, As I regained my health, uh, I also... uh, you know, I, I didn't realize it at that time, but it was accumulating a portfolio of work. And I, there was a website called sportshooter.com and um, I was a member there. And what I really loved about that website is its forums because its forums were great. Uh, it was a great resource for um, amateur photographers because a lot of uh, top-notch, professional shooters were members there and um, yeah so you know we could post photos and create a portfolio there and um, yeah lo and behold some photo editors started calling me about uh, wanting to use my work in magazines and newspapers and um, a couple of jobs came up that way and that's how I started shooting for a wire service
1: yeah did you think being in Hawaii um, provided an advantage or a disadvantage to you? Because it's like it's remote out here, but it's also unique. Yeah,
0: I, I think Hawaii is always an advantage, but it also has its drawbacks. You know, um, the advantage is you know any place we go <laughs> in these islands, it's uh, almost always photogenic, and because the Hawaiian islands are so loved by everyone worldwide. You know, you almost had an immediate audience, you know, Um, whether it was uh, sports photos, you know, that I posted or um, or landscapes, you know, um, people wanted to see them. And uh, yeah, it was fun.
1: What about the volcano? When did that all come into the picture? Because this, we're sitting in your gallery in Hilo right now, surrounded by lava, yeah. lots of lava.
2: There aren't any architectural shots there, Bruce. <laughs>
1: your photos, Bruce.
2: Yeah, well, lava, that,
0: that's, that's, another, that's another story. I mean, I, you know, some folks know about it, but I uh, grew up with uh, asthma And also an allergy to sulfur. Mm. And um, yeah, so the lava was always something that um, captivated my interest. You know, growing up here on the island as a kid, um, our classes would always take field trips uh, out to the national park. And um, I was one of those kids stuck in the bus with the windows up, with the air conditioning going, and, uh, you know.
1: I'm sorry, I was impersonating <laughs> you up against the window. <laughs> yeah. Help me. Sorry. Literally,
0: yeah. My mom was a nurse, so she'd always uh, send a note to my teacher saying, you know, you cannot let Bruce out of the bus. And shucks, man. I was so sad. Every time we'd take field trips, I was stuck in the bus and I'd be looking out at the window, out through the window at my classmates, doing their projects and, you know, being able to walk in all that, on that lava, you know, cooled lava, of course, but being able to jump over the cracks and play around at the sulfur vents and everything. And I had to do the same uh, worksheets and reports You know, I mean, doing it from the bus rather than being out there and getting my hands dirty and
1: Bruce was socially isolating way back then. (laughs) 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 Well,
0: you're off the bus now, Bruce. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, you know, my allergy to sulfur is so serious that uh, when I'd eat dried apricots because they were preserved with sulfur dioxide I would uh, I I wheeze <laughs> really? yeah Interesting. to this day I mean most of the time you know there are some times I can get away with eating them and not feeling a thing but most of the time I'll eat it and I'll actually start wheezing it gets itchy I had
1: no idea they were preserved that way yeah yep
0: so Yeah, even like drinking wine. You know, it's got sulfites in it, right? So it it actually brings about wheezing.
1: (laughs) Doesn't stop you, though.
0: No, it
2: doesn't. (laughs) So when did real live lava enter your lens? Uh,
0: 2008. Lava flowed through Kalapana. So the opportunity arose to uh, shoot lava crossing highway one thirty and uh, so I went out there with my respirator and my inhaler and um, never looked back, man <laughs> <laughs> you know that that first time shooting lava it was it was freaking amazing because uh, i I could actually smell and hear and can actually taste that that sulfur in the air and uh, watching that lava move it just blew my mind man I mean it, it moves in a way that you you don't expect I mean uh, you know, I don't know I've I've watched movies about lava and everything but seeing it up close and personal uh, that was something else yeah and of course because of that allergy and that asthmatic condition Um, I became uh, a lava junkie as a kid was obsessed with the volcano because I couldn't get close so yeah my mom created a monster
2: (laughs) (laughs) so when you finally did get close did it ever make you sick
0: I yeah I've had asthma attacks out there you know I mean there was one time I I actually thought I was going to die because I actually forgot my um, respirator and my inhaler in my truck. And I had taken a friend out um, to get close to the flow. And uh, yeah. And then anyway, to make a long story short, the the wind shifted, we got engulfed in the plume and man, I thought I was going to die. I couldn't breathe. And, yeah. So, as I was, you know, running out of that place, uh, trying to escape the the gases, you know, all I could think about was my mom and the words that she would tell me, you know, when it, whenever I was uh, experiencing a an asthma attack, about you know being able to control my breathing. That's so what got me out of there, and uh, thankfully I didn't suffer any permanent damage and um yeah so here i am trying to run out of that gas boom and yeah trying to control my breathing Shit. oh
2: man <laughs> crazy yeah uh, i bet you didn't I, forget I, I, your stuff after that nope I never you did didn't forget you. <laughs> <laughs> you know
0: funny part was i i realized that i had left my stuff in my truck um about halfway to our destination and um uh, But just thought, you know, I had never had to uh, use my inhaler before in that spot. And um, I've been down there dozens of times and, you know, we were always able to um, avoid the plume. But that one day, man, it was crazy. It's like something new that
1: I didn't have my inhaler. There's people out there all over the world who feel like they're stuck in their job and maybe they don't have, you know, a pending health issue that pushes them to the next step or to get, gets them to, to move on and and leave that job and to get out of that situation. But what would you say to somebody who, especially right now during COVID, I mean, nobody wants to. To leave a position right now because everyone's scared. A lot of people have lost their jobs and they don't know where to go. So, for people who feel like I'm stuck, I have to do this for this reason or that. What would you tell them in terms of taking a chance or taking that leap of faith to try something different or new?
0: Huh. Good question. <laughs> you know, uh, um, I, I, I think well the the decision to leave a job has to be has to be um, it's got to be made intelligently i think you know um, I mean if you're passionate about something and you want to pursue something else um yeah well you know the 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 thing i the way I look at it is um my life while working at the engineering firm lacked balance, and like mr miyagi says balance <laughs> <laughs> you know that everybody's gotta have balance in their <laughs> life, and um um
2: i Shocks. <laughs> I thought Mr. Miyagi said wax on and wax off.
0: Yeah, no, but he also <laughs> talked about balance, you know.
1: Just kidding. That's when Daniel got into the, the crane position, right? Yeah. That's the the That's balance. It.
0: Balance. Yeah. There you go. But he also talked about, you know, being that great in the middle of the road, yeah. But anyway,
1: um, Well, I don't know, like some people think it has to be all or nothing um, when it comes to starting a new job or or finding your passion or leaving sort Uh, of a dead end job. But maybe it doesn't. Maybe, you know, you can. COVID is a time where some people are out of work temporarily. Yeah. Maybe it's an opportunity to explore new passions or or see what else is available and to get a little experience. And maybe you don't have to go in. You know, head first. Maybe you can dip a toe in there, and yeah, and still be exactly. able to balance yeah. a couple of things. Yeah. No, I
0: think actually, yeah, you brought about a good point that you know this situation with the pandemic um, has given everybody um, um, pause and time to reflect upon their lives because you know we're stuck at home. Uh, spending time with our families so a lot of people have realized that you know hey they actually love spending time at home as a family unit Unit, and um, uh, you know that needs to be more of a priority now and I think that's great but for others you know um, I know a lot of people are stuck at home working now working from home telecommuting well that's a great opportunity to dabble in other things because you're in the comfort of your home. Um, Although, you know, you've got work to do and stuff too, but uh, there's also that opportunity to pursue something, you know, online and be more active in hobbies or creative outlets. Um, And it might be actually the perfect time to to dabble in something and try something out. Um, And, You know, I'm a firm believer in uh, one having to, one having or enjoying one's work is uh, um, important and it's got to bring you satisfaction uh, and feed your soul. Um, If not, then I, I, in my opinion, I, I think, person needs to do something else, you know, Mm. because uh, if you get your soul sucked out of you every day while you're at work, I mean, uh, it's not going to leave you in a good position at the end. Yeah, for sure.
3: Yeah. So I can always tell when it's Tuesday because my favorite photos come up as Bruce shares his Textured Tuesdays on Instagram. I love following that. And I know <laughs> what day of the week it is when I see that. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came about and, and, and about your Instagram account?
0: <laughs> well, my, Well, yeah, I think Textured Tuesday just, I don't know. I, I was just looking for, you know, like a little catch to a post. I had during our flights, Mick, uh, over, um, I think it began with the Pahoa flow and I've always been uh, intrigued by the textures of lava, but, uh, during the Pahoa flow, I think we had the opportunity to fly really close and low over these, um, fingers of lava. So, um, have, I've accumulated quite a bit of, uh, these texture-type images. And um, I love abstracts. And so one day I just posted that as being a Texture Tuesday. And uh, people seemed to to like that. So I began doing that on a regular basis. And um, it just kind of caught
1: on. What's this one we're looking at right now? What's the story behind this?
0: This one is a toe of Lava just kind of uh, oozing out and this was shot just north of Pu'u'o'o actually during that 2014 eruption that uh, went toward uh, Pahoa town Uh, that morning we're flying over this flow and uh, this big area of uh, cooled Pahoehoe just started fracturing and the pressure from under that hardened crust would just kind of like it started upwelling in spots and uh, we just kind of circled that entire area for probably about half an hour I believe. I'm not sure if you remember that Mick, but it was an incredible morning. Yeah. I mean, we're just flying over that area and then slabs of lava would just crack open and lava, very fluid pohoi hoi, would just Kind of and just flew out. Yeah, it's hard to describe in it words. Yeah, Bruce, you and said it, you said yeah.
2: something before about um, the appearance of the lava, and um, it, it's always struck me looking at pictures like this how it looks different than it really is. It has an appearance of of something else when you really get up close to it and touch it it's viscous and hot and it's it's not what it looks like in pictures somehow yeah. wait know. a minute wait a minute you touch yeah. it Yeah.
1: and you still have extremities
2: <laughs> Well, you know, you know what i mean you, you've you've seen people stick sticks in it you might have stuck it in yourself that's not what i do all the time but you know that it's it's something else, but it looks more fluid than it really is, for starters. And yeah. I don't so know, it vicious, always has an yeah. appearance to me when I look at it of, of being something different. You know, being something yeah. more. I don't know, yeah. I'm not describing it very well, I guess.
1: Yeah. Well, if, if, you, if you guys are having trouble describing this, and if you're listening to the podcast right now, and this <laughs> is just audio you're hearing, you have to go to our website, on onhawaiantimepodcast.com. Check out the episode notes. The photos are there. Actually, there's a video component to this. We're doing video, believe it or not. So, and go then, to maybe you Hawaiian understand Time what podcast. we're talking about? Maybe <laughs> you don't. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, for the listeners out there, when these toes of lava appear, I mean, lava, molten lava is is liquid rock, but it, it's not at all. Not at all watery, I mean it's very viscous, and uh, if anybody's blown glass before that yeah. that that consistency of molten glass is very much like what lava is yeah very actually similar. lava yeah, Hawaiian lavas are typically between forty to sixty percent silica, so that's you know half of it is like glass, and uh um Anyway, so it's, it's very, very viscous and it doesn't move in the way that you think it moves. Like when a toe of lava like this is flowing, the actual leading edge of the flow does not, um, the surface doesn't roll over underneath the flow. It, the, the, the flow, the lava actually pushes out from beneath to extend um, the advancement of that, that toe or that finger. You know, but the whatever crust you can also wanna. move. Yeah, the crust moves, but because that crust is cooling, it yep. cools very rapidly. Yep. So, you know, as viscous as lava is in the molten state, once air gets in contact with the lava, I mean, there's a lot of uh, heat transfer when the air you know um, uh, dissipates the the heat from that that molten fluid um, it cools and becomes even more uh viscous and more i mean it it's still pliable but it's it, <laughs> it's really um it's a lot thicker and um than you can ever imagine that, that's
2: it's, un- it's unlike other substances, particularly, well, in a lot of ways, but particularly in that it provides its own light from within.
0: Yeah, it does. It's a you know, source so of you light. So you have the
2: light from without, of course, but the light from within is what really differentiates it from other things.
0: Yeah. And that's what makes lava really tough to shoot as a yeah, photographic exactly. subject. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Very contrasty.
1: We're talking about Texture Tuesday. And not only do we see that on Facebook, we see it on your Instagram. And one thing that I've noticed is you've got nearly 29,000 followers on Instagram. Was there a strategy to make that happen or did that just happen? <laughs> people want to know.
0: <laughs> I guess people just want to see lava. <laughs>
1: That's
0: it? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I've always wanted to grow. You know, as a business person, you want to get your work out there and... Um, know grow your following and um, but I, I didn't know how I didn't know how to do it you know I learned some some stuff about you know hashtagging I didn't know what hashtags were until I started doing Instagram and um, but it's, it's about getting getting uh, putting your best images out there or images that captivate An audience its the best way to grow an audience, right?
1: I I mess around with Instagram, and every time I take a photo, I post it. That's probably not a good strategy.
0: Well, I mean, I...
1: (laughs) (laughs) I want it all out there, because everything's a masterpiece. (laughs) In some
2: sense. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So you're really choosy with what goes up. For every photo you take, I mean, somebody I, never see the light of day, right?
0: Yeah. You know, funny thing is, um, I'll see things in photos, and as a photographer, you know, there are things that really attract you or captivate my attention. And uh, um, I'll post it, and nobody could care less, you know? So <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it's weird, but Instagram is. know people are going through hundreds of photos so um, it needs to be something that pops something that is interesting you know right off the bat if somebody's got to study a photo um, then it can be overlooked a lot of times Mm -hmm. you know but i i don't know the secret i'm still trying to figure it out so
1: lava and cats, I think. <laughs> so far. Those are the two <laughs> and dogs. Yeah. Don't Bums. say dog. the word cat oh. at our
3: house. Yeah. It's zoom. <laughs> Zooms up. It's not a cat. No, Tim isn't getting zoom. a kitty for stop. you. Sorry,
1: sorry, Zoom. Sorry. It's just a joke. You know, I have thirty-five <laughs> years of
2: highlights and and what am I remembered for? The smiley face and the lake. Ooh. That's it. That
1: that sounds yeah. like a teaser for our next episode. Totally yeah. inane. Our next episode, our special guest is going to be Mick Cowbert. Oh
2: my Famous gosh! Don't Bob miss that one. Photographer. Produced I, by I heard
1: he's a and badass. And Cowbert, yes. Well, Bruce, thank you so much. Um, that's going to put a wrap on this episode of On Hawaiian Time with Mick and Bruce. Great stories. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We want to remind everyone out there. Um, Go to onhawaiiantimepodcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter. You'll be the first to know when there's a new episode dropping. We'll share some bonus content on there exclusively. And we're going to provide some uh, promo codes for discounts in our merch store, which includes Bruce's photos, which includes T-shirts, coffee mugs, Bruce's coffee. Mick, uh, I think we're going to have some of your work, some documentaries up there. Ooh. We're working to get some of Ann's nice uh, creations on there. Mm-hmm. All sorts of stuff. It's your bit one, of stop. Bit it's of really one stop. A little bit of us. <laughs> stop. A little bit of us. Awesome. How do we end this thing again? It's been a while. I don't know. Well, it's good talking to you, Bruce. You've been
2: on Hawaii. Hawaiian time time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> see you next time, <laughs> guys. <laughs> <laughs>